Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence From Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lehman, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 155 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And in today's very special episode, I have a conversation with Kashif Khan, which is the founder of the DNA company. And understanding your DNA from a functional perspective, which is a little bit different, and Kashif will explain to you what that looks like early on in the episode, is basically getting your personalized user manual for your body. And that really allows you to understand what are some of the areas to prioritize to get optimal results for your health? And what are some of the areas that are not of higher priorities that we can maybe put a little bit less emphasis on? And what I think is really beautiful and important about this is that because we are all different, even though there's going to be some more overall healthy lifestyle choices and things you can do by truly getting yourself tested this one time, one and done test, it really allows you to have one more confidence in some of the decisions you're making for your health. But also, if there's a lot of different things that different recommendations, then it's easiest for you to know which ones are actually going to give you the best, you know, return on investment, let's put it that way, by simply looking at your results. And in order to make this very accessible, because it is not a topic that is necessarily very I would say mainstream. So what I decided to do is that I got myself tested by the DNA company and Kashif has gone through my results in this episode. So you're going to learn a lot about my own (laughs) DNA. And um, he also, we focus on areas that will be most valuable for women in midlife. So we talked about things such as How does my results have to do with fat metabolism? Um, What are some of the priorities that women transitioning through menopause and into postmenopause can learn from their DNA results? Things in those lines so that you can really see what is possible. The amount of information in terms of your sleep, our diets, longevity plans, cardiovascular health, inflammation, all those different aspects of it. So I hope that by sharing my own health and my results review live on this episode, that it will give you a clear idea of what is possible for you as well. Something else that I asked Kashif to do, and he done a brilliant job at, is really to, for the areas that quotations would perceive as negative <laughs> or deficiencies or suboptimal areas in my results, I asked him to help us reframe into what potentially could have been the benefits of this quotation's deficient trait or quality that we have in context of my whole, say, ancestral, you know, path. Because this way, instead of looking at what is right or wrong of our genes, we start to understand why are we in a way built this way, which I think takes a lot of the negativity and the pressure off of looking at results as good and bad and really understanding this is just a way to prioritize what's most important 
but we can also reframe the errors that are not so good so that we understand why it is this way. So hopefully this perspective shift is helpful for you as well. And if you feel ready after you listen to this to actually get yourself tested, I talked to Kashif and we worked on a 10% off code for you. All you have to do is the link will be in the bio or in the show notes, but all you have to do is go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash DNA, and you're going to see the page that you can place your order for your own test kit. And in that page, when you get to the checkout, you're going to see the discount automatically applied to you. So this way, if you want to get your done, your testing done, which is something which you just once then you can follow the link in the show notes to get 10% uh, off at checkout. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to Kashif. Kashif Khan is Chief Executive Officer and Founder of the DNA Company, where personalized medicine is, is being pioneered through unique insights into the human genome. He's also the host of the Unpilled podcast. Growing up in Vancouver, Canada, in an immigrant household, Kashif developed an industrious entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. Prior to his tenure at the DNA company, Kashif advised a number of high-growth startups in a variety of industries. As Kashif dove into the field of functional genomics as the CEO of the DNA company, it was revealed that his neurowiring was actually genetically designed to be entrepreneurial. However, his genes also revealed a particular sensitivity to pollutants. Now seeing his health from a new lens, Gashif dove further and started to see the genetic pathways that led to his own family challenges and the opportunity to reverse chronic disease. His measure of success is not the dollars earned, but the lives improved. Without any further ado, here is Gashif. Welcome, Kashif. Welcome to the show. I'm very pleased to have you on Confidence from Within podcast today. Welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure. Great to be here with you. Yes, thank you. And to get us started, I want us to make this episode as useful and accessible to our listeners as possible. So let's start at the beginning and tell us what is functional genomics. So the easiest way to explain is genetics is you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's, good luck, right? Functional genomics is, well, let's figure out why and make sure it doesn't happen. It's the same thing as going to a doctor and being told, you have this disease, here's the pill you have to take, versus going to a functional medicine doctor and being told, well, let's figure out why you got sick. What was the habit, the environment, nutrition, lifestyle? And why is there a difference? Because genetic research is funded primarily from the pharma world to be disease centric like let's try and turn a disease disease on and off right that works well for genetic conditions but it doesn't work for chronic conditions the majority of what we're dealing with cardiovascular disease diabetes crazy menopause symptoms mm -hmm. there's no single gene for that those are all complex systems and cascades and so functional genomics maps those things out so that you can use personalization in the big problems and always make the right choice and get things right. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for that. And one of the things, and like as I was reading a book, which I really recommend, and I thought it was so interesting the way that you wrote about the book in relation to explaining your own DNA test results. And that's sort of what we're doing with mine in this episode as well, which I think gives a lot of 
range in terms of what is possible. So I'll put the link to your book in the show notes as well. One of the things that really stood out to me is how old our DNA actually is, but Mm. how different our modern lifestyle is. So talk to us a little bit about that in terms of how can we use functional DNA testing to thrive with our, you know, more ancient DNA material into this modern world? Yeah. So the challenge there is that your, what is your DNA? They are instructions telling your cells how to do their jobs. And all the cells in your body have all these various things they need to do. You need to make hormones, you need to clear toxins, you need to make chemicals in your brain, you need to make blood cells. So how efficiently or inefficiently do you do all those various jobs? And if you start to figure out which job you don't do well, then you know what might fail. Right. I don't detoxify properly because I'm missing a couple of genes. Okay, then when I go breathe in chemicals in a factory, I might get a headache, but the other people in my family don't. Right, so simple example. Mm -hmm. Now, take all of that and realize that our DNA is not grandma's DNA. It's not the ancient Egyptians' DNA. It's a couple hundred thousand years old. It's like a quarter yeah. million years old. So your ancestors were truly cave people. And our current modern industrialized reality is what? A couple hundred years old? Yeah. So take that reality into a genetic profile that was designed for habits of tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of years of living amongst nature clean. We are not wired to succeed today which is why mm-hmm. chronic disease is more prevalent than ever before. 50% of Americans are expected to get cardiovascular disease. 50% are expected to get cancer. Yeah. What's left, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone is expected to get a chronic condition. So um, re- the reality now then becomes once you understand what job in your body is not operating at its fullest, you then know what choices to make when it comes to your environment, nutrition, and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What are you eating? What are you eating? How are you exercising? What time do you sleep? You know, how do you have relationships? Every choice that you make is a choice towards health or a choice away from health. We're yeah. saying in today's context, that's even so much more important because the threats are greater than ever before. So always make the right choice. Understand what your DNA is saying and never make the wrong choice. Yeah. And the way I hear what you're saying is very much like what you prioritize, right? In a world of so many options and choices and, or even for some people that struggle with compliance, right? Of staying in diets and programs and things. I think once we understand that this, these are the higher priorities in terms of what you can actually do. I think it just helps even with that consistency piece that I know it's such a problem specifically in the weight loss space. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly it, is that when you go out there trying to do better and learn, everything you're exposed to is one size fits all. Yeah. Trial and error. Somebody, some podcast, some YouTube video, you saw something like, this is amazing. And it probably was amazing for them. (laughs) But if you ask them their background story, they probably failed five, six, seven, eight times before they found that amazing thing. And that may have took years. Right, painful journey of yours, which yeah. is why I'm so adamant about what they're saying. This works, right? They finally got out of their struggle. So it may not work for you. Right. And if we're talking yeah. about weight loss, like you said, 
you know, I last night we did a, a an education session on web on, on weight loss to a bunch of practitioners to teach them. And the things that came up, you would never consider. So what when we think about weight loss, we think about diet and we think about exercise. Mm-hmm. How many people are saying I'm doing everything right and I'm stuck? Yeah, it's not changing. Why? What if it's your hormones? What if you're just estrogen dominant and your body is being told to store fat? Yeah. And when you exercise, the stress that you cause is signaling to your body because of the way you're wired genetically. Oh, it's trouble. We better store more fat because your body is still thinking about war and battle and that struggle means battle and we're not going to have food for the next few months. Mm -hmm. We're still wired for that reality, which is not at all true. What if it's simply that you don't metabolize fats well? There's genes that determine how efficiently you use fat as fuel and you go out and start a keto diet because everyone said, go carnivore. (laughs) Yes. Okay, great. If you're wired for that, you're going to do well. If you're not, you're going to struggle, get brain fog, start to gain weight, and you won't understand what went wrong. What if you start exercising, right? And you start going on the treadmill every day. I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. I go on the treadmill every day. But your oxidative stress genes aren't good. Your Mm -hmm. your antioxidant mitochondrial genes are not the best. Right. And you're putting yourself into oxidative stress heavy cardiovascular output which means you're converting oxygen into energy and as a byproduct making an oxidant mm-hmm. which is a radical a toxin and you don't have the genetic ability to cope with that well some people do some people don't and so you're causing yourself inflammation from the exercise you're doing and you're slowly running towards cardiovascular disease as a as opposed to away from it yeah well, something that seems so productive is completely counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. And I can go on and on and on and we can mm-hmm. spend one just talking about weight, but there's so many areas where people get stuck and the one size fit all answers will never work. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for that overview. And I think it also helps reduce the self-blame and guilt that's so heavily associated as well with the whole world of weight loss. And really understanding and being able to pers- really personalize it to your body's priority priorities, I guess. The one thing that I wanted to, as we dive into my results now, uh, that is a big part of the work I do. And I would like to, if possible, use that frame in terms of how you explain some of my suboptimal results. The concept of the body, nothing really is good or bad or right or wrong, but the circumstances really matter, right? So something that genetically may look like a disadvantage, it may actually come with advantages on its ancestral circumstances that potentially, you know, my ancestors lived at. So as much as possible, show some of those perspectives for us so that we don't look at this is bad, this is wrong, this is like a life sentence type of thing, which I think have always been my personal resistance to looking at genetics and why functional genetics seems a lot more aligned uh, with my understanding of the world if that's you're you're right on you're right on that's exactly right there's no good or bad there's more here's how your body does this job right now based on your epigenetics your habits we're going to get to good or bad because that same thing might be your superpower or it could be your kryptonite depending on what you do and let's use your brain to paint a picture here right your neurochemical map (laughs) And I'll be very clear. And context is so important when it comes to the neurochemical and brain map, because if you don't understand how you perceive the world, 
and how the world perceives you, you can often get stuck when it comes to mood and behavior. So mm. it comes to the dopamine pathway. Dopamine is a chemical that allows you to um, experience uh, pleasure or reward. So when you eat some tasty pizza and you feel like, wow, that was good, <laughs> or you achieve something at work, you're like, this felt great, that's dopamine. And you particularly are really, really efficient at binding dopamine. So that anticipation and the experience happens at a very high level of intensity. Mm. It's very easy to experience pleasure. Now there's there's enzymes and proteins that come along and clear the dopamine because eventually you need to get back to normal. So something has to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you do that really slowly. Mm. So you're experiencing it really high and it takes far too long, which leads to two things. You talked about the good and the bad, right? Yes. The good is it's very easy to experience pleasure. So you're constantly satisfied. You're less likely to be, call it depressed, right? You're less likely to be yeah. disappointed. Uh, things are good. But when you find that thing that gives you that wow factor, you're going to binge. Mm -hmm. Because it's your clearance is so slow, it's hard for you to come back. Right. Kind of like as your body's trying to clear, you're in this vicious cycle of pleasure. I can't clear it fast enough. Pleasure, you just get stuck in it. And it, that could lead to something like, for example, Netflix. Yeah, I don't really care. No, you're not. I'm not interested. But when you find that show you like, it's like, oh, three in the morning. I'm still awake. What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and unfortunately, it sounds like it's true. So that's the only way I consume Netflix is either all yeah. or nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all or nothing. It's, a, it's either like I'm not interested because that, I'm, the world is good or like, oh, wow, I'm stuck. Right. Yeah. It also leads to this somewhat of an anxiety response, but not so much a chronic ongoing everyday anxiety. There's different forms of anxiety mm -hmm. for you. Particularly, it would be more of an acute. You somebody took something good away from me and it caused me to crash. Now, imagine if you're experiencing the world up mm. here. time, You're not used to what the bottom feels like. Right. You know, suppose, you know, here's my favorite restaurant closed down. Oh my goodness. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We were supposed to go on vacation and it got canceled. Oh my goodness. Some people are like, okay, move on back to work for you. It's like devastation mm. because when the foot is removed and you finally feel that bottom, you're not used to it. You get stuck and it causes an acute anxiety response right. and you might not get out of bed that day. Right. Mm -hmm. But every day ongoing because things are sort of good, it's no problem. Now your noradrenaline response and your ability to experience let's call it trauma and PTSD is really solid. So you see the world very logically, right? You're not likely to hold on to trauma, hold the grudge. Somebody may hurt you and you're going to let that person hurt you again because you give, you don't hold the grudge. You give them another chance. So that's the good and the bad. The good is you're not PTSD prone. You're not holding on a trauma. It's probably easier for you to heal because you're not holding on to the pain of things. You're just logically going through it. But you're also open to the same thing, afflicting the same problem to you again. Mm -hmm. you hold on to the pain. So again, the good and the bad depends how you use it. You're probably less, call it emotionally intelligent. You're less reading into things emotionally and more about the information as opposed to the feeling. Now, the same comp protein that clears your dopamine also clears this. Which means, although you don't hold on to the feeling and hold a grudge. You remember a lot about what happened because the clearance is very slow. Mm -hmm. But there's a car accident, God forbid, 
it's like it happened on this street and it was raining and it was this time and this is what the air smelled like mm -hmm. because you're you're in you're in the moment for so long there's a lot of retention yeah. whereas for some people they quickly clear and then there's confusion and then when they're talking to someone about it they get frustrated because like no this is what no that's not what happened yeah this is what happened that's not what happened and they're confused about it and it ends up leading to relationship disruption right and mm -hmm. stress and all sorts of other things so now, if we move on from that, your serotonin is dysregulated. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Your ability to balance your mood as appropriate for whatever is happening is a little off. So both good and bad, you're constantly being pulled in the next direction, mm -hmm. right? Yes. When it comes to mood, right? So, oh, happy thing here. Think about the squirrel response. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, another another shiny thing, another shiny thing, another shiny thing, whether it's good or bad, because your brain has challenges prioritizing stimulus. It's hard for your brain to know what to give a priority to. So it prioritizes everything. Mm -hmm. Now, the good and the bad. The good is give you a contract to read, you know, give you a room of people to examine. You're seeing details and nuances that other people don't realize are there. Mm -hmm. give you a group to work with you're irritated distracted <laughs> bothered because somebody shouldn't have made that noise somebody should stop ruffling that paper somebody's got to stop they've got to close their mouth when they're chewing right mm -hmm. every yeah. little every little input is a problem mm -hmm. right the problem not because it's bad is because your brain is hypersensitive to stimulus and so you see the good as much as you see the bad and the bad the level again contextually in today's reality where there's so much stimulus that can be a challenge mm -hmm. right? yeah yeah so now we continue on from here and by the way everything we're talking about right now we could spend a lot more time talking about right yeah. i'm going to go surface level so that we can mm -hmm. get a sense of where things are at mm -hmm. brain derived neurotropic factor it's your brain's ability to develop new neural pathways neuroplasticity as we call it Mm -hmm. And you have a really unique thing happening here called epistasis. So epistasis is a phenomenon where one gene turns another good gene off. So genetically, if we looked at things, and this is why functional genetics is so important, because if you yeah. look at gene, you might say, well, I don't feel like that. Because the epistasis turns certain functions of that gene off, and that's not being considered because we're not looking at it functionally, the way the body actually works or systems. So what you're doing with your BDNF is you do a really good job on the hardware side. You can learn new skills. You can develop new neural pathways. You can be the accountant. You can be the lawyer. And you can be the marketing person. You can be that sole mm -hmm. entrepreneur that just does everything versus you know, that subject matter expert that is like, nope, I never leave the lab. That's what I do. Don't ask me to talk about it. Don't ask me to do the marketing for it. I'm not showing up on camera. This is what I do for you. It's like, yeah, no problem. I can learn new things. I can do new, do new things. Very no true. Right. Mm -hmm. But your mood is still affected as if you have the bad BDNF. And what does that mean? Is earlier we said you see things at a greater level of detail, right? It also means a lot. So when your BDNF is off, it's very difficult for you to not ruminate and overthink, mm -hmm. both for the good and the bad. Somebody gives you some good news. First of all, you're noticing everything because of your squirrel response and all of the stuff that you notice 
it's like, oh, wow, that's impactful. Oh, wow, that's important. And something that maybe didn't deserve so much of your attention is getting it, mm-hmm. which, which does a couple of things. First of all, makes you a high quality, deep thinker, but it also makes you sort of dragged behind in terms of let's just move on and get it done because you're getting stuck in things that really shouldn't be given that much importance. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So now this is where that nuance of if we didn't understand the functional epistasis, I wouldn't have told you this. Mm -hmm. I would give things very little meaning because your BDNF is great. You move on quickly. You don't ruminate. You don't overthink. It's like you almost don't think enough about it, but that's not true for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You have to this, this pie. So now, The other interesting thing about functional thinking is when you're not thinking about a gene and its job, but you're instead thinking about a job in your body and what gene drives it, the reverse, Mm -hmm. you can start to apply the same gene to different problems. So serotonin, I not only think about it as a mood and behavior gene, but I also think about it as a sleep gene. Because if I understand biology, I know that serotonin is a neurochemical that your body uses to wake up. So in the the first half of sleep, we all know melatonin is that hormone that our body uses to put us to sleep. We bind it and then Mm -hmm. you're you're into sleep. But what we don't know is serotonin is what our body uses to wake up. Mm -hmm. So if someone is wired like you, that has a dysregulated serotonin response, that cannot prioritize stimulus. And the brain is waiting for the stimulus of sunlight to wake up. That I would think that you don't really have a problem falling asleep based on your BDNF. Which mm-hmm. you know, your, your BDNF regulates your circadian rhythm. And I said you don't have a hardware problem there. You have a mood problem. Mm-hmm. So the hardware part is working well. Your circadian rhythm, your internal clock, your body's ability to know what time it is, is probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. So falling asleep, no problem. But staying asleep is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And why is that? Because you fall asleep, clock works well, fall asleep on time. You go through that first half of sleep, which is recovery. Let me fix all the problems from the day before, get rid of toxins, you know, build muscle tissue, repair. The second half is preparation for the next day. Let me make my hormones. Let me make my neurochemicals. Let me get ready for the next day. And because your serotonin is dysregulated, your brain doesn't know, is that sunlight? That cold foot that just touched me, that blanket that just touched my neck, it got too hot, it got too cold, a dog barked a mile down the street. Like all of these little stimuluses that somebody lying next to you may just ignore and not even notice, you wake up for every single one of them. Mm. Because your brain is waiting for sunlight and doesn't know how to prioritize stimulus and what to actually give attention and weight to. So the fix isn't a supplement. The fix isn't go take this pill. Although there are supplements that can upregulate your serotonin for sure, but there's more to it. You need that cocoon. Your body needs that sense of physical safety to know it's still sleep time, a heavy weighted blanket, Mm -hmm. but then you overheat. So you need a cooling pad underneath you, Mm -hmm. right? Cold room. You need a separate blanket from whoever's lying next to you. You cannot have them pulling and tugging and waking you up. Yeah. You might even consider a blanket where, or sorry, a mattress where, you know, there's these mattresses that have zones where one person moving doesn't affect you, right? Yeah. 
So all of those subtle nuances for you are the difference between deep restorative sleep and no sleep at all. Mm-hmm. Or so for other people, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And I'll say quickly something about that, because that's interesting, because all the things you listed are things that I actually do in terms of separate heavy blanket with the cooling. And I also have the one of those zip, Z pillows that literally goes all around your body. So it's literally yeah. like a cocoon. And that yeah. has dramatically improved my sleep. So it's just kind of very cool, as you're saying. It's like going to my list of the checklist of things that I've yeah. actually done to improve my quality of sleep. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Hey there. Have you heard of my new book, Release? A Woman's Guide to Releasing Weight in Midlife Through Becoming a Body's Best Friend? If not, go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book or click the link in the show notes below to learn more and to see if this is the right book for you. I wrote this book for women to read before your next diet. And this is not a book about weight loss, another diet trend, or a magical solution you have not tried yet. This is instead a rebellion against hating our bodies and trying to change who we are. Together, we will release all that no longer serves you so you can get the body you want and make midlife the best and healthiest years of your life. I cannot wait for you to get the book. So go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book to learn more. Now back to the episode. Going back to what you said about ancestral traits. So you are wired for this um, deep analytical, I see everything response, right? So ancestrally, we had people lying in caves trying not to be eaten by bears and wolves right? Mm-hmm. So it would have survived. In that context, it really worked. Because the first crack of that twig, or the first rustle, <laughs> of leaf, you would have been the person that noticed, mm-hmm. you would have been the person that protected the tribe. But there's too much stimulus today. Yeah, there's too much. In the cave in the middle of a forest, it was you under your fur, lying on the cold ground, perfect conditions. Mm. And you were the person that would have been in the front of the cave protecting the tribe and it would have been a leader. But today it's like, you can't sleep. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You're not wired for today's reality. I love that perspective. Yeah. So let's jump to your hormones mm-hmm. because I know there's a lot of menopausal women here that are, <laughs> are hormonally thinking, let's talk about hormones. What's going yes. on here? So we're going to go there. And I say this because it's, I can tell you, we spent three years studying 7,000 people. Yeah. And that's where we got all of our insights from. I would say a good 60% were women. And that was the first time that I learned that the part of our healthcare system that is the most broken is everything around female hormone health. Yes. It is horrible. It is horrible, horrible, horrible. I'm embarrassed as a man to even exist. (laughs) because of how bad women have been dealt with and treated and it's simply because of this clinical research is designed in a way that a product should succeed there's millions and millions of dollars that are spent to bring a product to market so when a pharmaceutical company knows that a woman has a 28-day cycle and she has a follicular phase and a luteal phase and she's so different in all of that cycle i can't include that person in a clinical trial because they're going to screw it up (laughs) <laughs> right and this is what happened women yeah. were excluded for clinical trials 
unless you were postmenopausal and you no longer had a cycle. Yeah. And so medicine doesn't work for women. Mm. The insights just don't work. 80% of dementia cases are in women. 66% of cardiovascular cases, like all of the major diseases, we don't hear this so much, but it's profound how much more women are affected. And it's because they weren't included in research. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is have a separate set of research that's around the circadian rhythm of the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Because truly, that's the only way to solve things is to understand that the supplement that worked on day one is not going to work on day 15. In fact, it might have the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. Many women take things like BIM and hormone balancing supplements. And then like in the middle of the month, they start getting headaches. In different parts of the month, they feel weak and tired because you're a different person inside. Yeah. The hormone levels you had on day five are not the same hormone levels you have on day 15. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time mapping this out genetically mm-hmm. to understand that cascade of progesterone converts into testosterone, converts into estrogen. We all do these things differently. Yeah. So if I am that woman that is more estrogen dominant or more androgen, testosterone dominant, then my problems are different and the things I need as solutions are different. Mm-hmm. My disease risks are different. My mood is different. My body type is different. Yeah. How many women are struggling on the treadmill not knowing that the reason they're stuck is their hormones? It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with exercise. Yeah. How many women, the opposite, want to put on weight? They want that dump truck, as it's called, the Instagram booty, right? <laughs> or they want bigger hips and they just can't do it because of their their over androgenized they're testosterone dominant and they're not designed to have the voluptuous female so if you don't understand that foundational map of who you are it's very hard to build a plan to reach your goal yeah so now in your case it's kind of a unique interesting profile you um make a little bit too much testosterone so that conversion of uh, progesterone into testosterone you do that a little bit too efficiently not hyper but a little bit too much you bind your androgens really efficiently so your receptors are really great and then you also a little bit too fast convert your androgens into estrogen you don't make much dht which is sort of the manly man version of estrogen mm-hmm. and you hear it somewhat efficiently mid-efficiency so you are what we would call estrogen dominant mm-hmm. that's Now, knowing that you're estrogen dominant, we now need to skip to the next phase of hormone metabolization, which is your 2, 4, or 16 hydroxy estrogen. These are the toxins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So before you have your monthly cycle, you convert into a toxin byproduct and you do go into the 4 hydroxy pathway, which is one of the toxins. Mm -hmm. It's very, very important because this is why we say women have so much more chronic and disease because they have this internal source of inflammation. Not only are you dealing with the chemicals and foods and stress, you're also making a toxin on the inside. Yeah. And that's in today's context where everything you're exposed to is a hormone mimic fueling that testosterone or sorry, that estrogen toxicity even yeah. more, you know, 85% of North American women will be on a birth control pill for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's So you're fueling even more estrogen toxicity. So now in that context, we have to think about what are your risks? You are the woman for who, once you get to menopause age, are you more likely to have to worry about things like breast cancer, ovarian cancer, dementia, right? Are you more having to worry about cardiovascular disease, 
is your menopause going to be a rocky roller coaster as opposed mm -hmm. to right so when we catch things at the right age we know what they point to and we can start to peel away and make sure those things don't happen because we know the root cause it's yeah. not about some gene like BRCA, for example, that points to breast cancer. That's not going to move the needle for you. We need to know why. What do we focus on? What you need to focus on is your estrogen dominance and toxicity. So where do we focus? Well, we start to look at the detox pathways that detoxify those things, right? We start to look at what are the glutathione pathways. Glutathione is this potent detoxer. And you actually do that okay of the two genes that we look at, one of them you're doing 100% and one of them you're doing like minus 30, 40%. So not bad, right? Now we know if you have a regular regimen of using, using glutathione as a tool, you can clear those toxic estrogens and they're not going to cause inflammation. What we also see is you do a really bad job of oxidation, mm -hmm. antioxidants. So that's a place where you need a lot of support. And if I, from there, what I would do is like, okay, well, what's a really good antioxidant? Vitamin C. So I'm going to go to your micronutrient profile and I'm going to look up your vitamin C pathway to see how efficiently you, you use that. And I'm literally doing that right now. And when I open it up, what do I see? I see that you have the best possible genetics for using vitamin C as an antioxidant, which means I would tell you, you don't deal with antioxidation well. Let's, so we're not going to leave it at that and say, well, maybe there's breast cancer coming. We're going to say, now let's add the tool at the specific place where you have a red flag, where you're not doing a job well to help you do a better job. We're going to tell you to take 2000 milligrams of vitamin C every day. And we're going to tell you to take a slow release formula that slowly drips it as opposed to all at once. Mm. So you have a constant supply so that antioxidation is being supported. Mm -hmm. So now yeah. we know that here's places to intervene. Now, again, functional thinking, single genes don't do single jobs. The same comped protein that we said clears your dopamine and your adrenaline also clears your estrogen, estrogen toxins. Right? It's a clearance protein. It clears a lot of things. And you have the very slow comped, mm -hmm. which don't do a good job of clearing. This is a process we call methylation. And there's many genes that make up your methylation cascade. Compt is the very last one. So it's the final step. Let's take the garbage out the door and throw it out. That's compt. You don't do that well. So we also need to speed that up. There's supplements that are, uh, there's something called SAM-E, very well-known supplement, speeds up comp and helps you do that job better. So now we've looked at your hormone map and we've gone far from this genetic story of you have an 80% chance of breast cancer, good luck to here's the exact biological functions that are not doing well. So there's two dials to turn. Let's remove all of the nonsense that your body isn't designed for, the chemicals, the foods, et cetera, that you weren't meant to deal with. And let's add the ability for you to do it with either supplementation or exercise. There's different things you can do that help you do it better. And speaking of exercise, you have the really efficient and high density of testosterone receptors right? Which means that another way to attack this, so, so far, everything we said is let's clear the estrogen toxicity so it doesn't cause inflammation. Well, what if we actually have less estrogen toxicity because you have less estrogen? If I tell you to go do some stretching and stretching of your big muscles, your glutes, your legs, that we know is an activity that activates your androgen receptors. 
Because when you stretch, it signals to the brain, oh, there's physical activity coming. I need more testosterone. So then you end up using that testosterone androgen before converting it into estrogen. So not only have you got the benefit of being more energized, more energy, more vitality, you also have less of a pool to convert into the estrogen. And this is where once you start to look at this map and understand how your body works, you can intervene in different ways that are precise, personalized, that are healthy, that don't have side effects, right? That are exactly what you need to do to be at your optimal level. Mm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I had a question for you specifically on the methylation because I've been monitoring my estrogen metabolites using the Dutch test. Mm -hmm. And without supplementation to speed up that pathway, I have tested myself and I'm pretty high on the methylation scale as per the Dutch test. So is there a way to explain that in contrast with my, what my genomic, what my DNA is telling you? So I'm opening up your methylation profile. And when you say high, you mean you're doing it really well or really poorly? Uh, really well, really well. Okay. In, in the way that they measure it, yeah. So when I look at your methylation cascade, you do it. It's true. Your actual methylation is a ca cascade of multiple genes. And what I would say is if you are, do you take a B vitamin, B complex? No. B12? Mm -mm. Do you take any supplements? Uh, the only supplement I take is vitamin D and probiotics on a consistent basis. Okay. Do you eat red meat? From time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you lean towards heavy plant-based or no? Um, I would say proportionally to my diet, I'll say there's quite a bit of plant in my diet. Yeah. But I'm not in any sort of trend particularly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I'm just trying to understand because now, and these questions are kind of like what the answers would have been. So you methylate. Okay. At a medium level, you're calm to slow, but you're really efficient at using certain B vitamins. Um, and you're not so efficient at using some other B vitamins, which are all your anti-inflammatory or methylation micronutrients. Mm -hmm. So when we use the word vitamin, we really discount the value of these things. Yeah. They're not vitamins, they're ingredients for biological processes. Absolutely. It's not like this vitamin makes me feel good. No, this vitamin turns on a certain gene that makes your body do a job and you need yeah. them all. B2, B9, B12, like they all have different jobs they do. So you're somewhat efficient. Um, you're, you do a decent job of using B12 from beef or red meat. Uh, and so you would be doing efficient there. You don't do such a good job of making some of the uh, enzymes required to break down plant foods like beans, lentils, legumes, et cetera. So you might not get the best outcome if you're if you're heavily focused there. So your methylation going well is probably because you eat really well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But now the challenge there is you methylate well, which means you do a good job of collecting the garbage and bringing it to the door, but your comp is slow and the door is closed. Mm, I see. That's a challenge, right? So the challenge is I, I do a really good job of collecting this stuff, which is your blood works in a show, but it doesn't tell you the full story, which you have a slow comp. So nobody's throwing it out. And then you get this buildup and then eventually inflammation. It's like, what's going on here? Because we didn't look at the whole cascade, which we have under the whole map and cascade. And that's why I'm saying, going back to the very first part, point we made, if you understand the cascade, you know exactly which job your body isn't doing well. 
And yeah. forget about all the noise. Forget about everything everyone's telling you. Just focus on that. That's the thing that you need. That's the thing that your body needs you to do. Then go back and optimize everything else. But let's acutely deal with the weak link in the chain, the one rusty link. And then the whole chain gets stronger. Then you can start building up the chain, right? And you start making it better and better and better and better. So the majority of change, you know, that 80% improvement comes from just focusing on the red flags. Here's the jobs my body doesn't do well. I'm going to dive into those and all of a sudden things get a lot better. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Thank right. you for that. That was great. Yeah. yeah. So um, the other area we could dive into um, is some of your diet and nutrition genes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is an area where, you know, you're going to eat anyway. We might as well eat that in a, in a in a style that's aligned to your genome. And the first thing I would tell you there is that you are missing the GSTM1 gene. And what does that mean? It means your gut does not detoxify well. Yeah. So when you're eating foods, you have to be super, super careful about what's coming along with them. You know, if you aren't even the packaging and you have to think about like, hey, I'm eating some quinoa organic cookies. Oh, sounds great. But were they processed on like a heavy metal machine that gets clean with chemicals? You know, how am I doing there? So you have to think about all those things. So now when it comes to satiety, you do a really good job of getting satisfied at the palate. So your mouth doesn't necessarily need to snack or get the cookie or the, the potato chips. It's like my mouth is good, but your stomach has a bit of a challenge knowing when it's full. So the signal from your gut to your, oh, sorry, one second. I'm looking at, yeah, sorry. Just making sure I read that right. Mm-hmm. So your stuff has a bit of a challenge seg- sending a signal to your brain that I'm done. Yeah. And so unless you're consciously thinking about what's on your plate, very easy to overeat. Very yeah. easy to get that second and third helping, right? Uh, now, because of your hormone profile at a younger age, because there's a lot of androgens, it may not show, but as you age and the metabolic rate slows down, it's all of a sudden, boom, what happened to me? Mm-hmm. Because you got used to a certain number of calories that you didn't need, right? Yeah. So going forward, one sec, just opening your, your, let's look at your insulin response. You are not, uh, what, where is this? Looking for the APOA2 gene. Okay. You are an excellent metabolizer of fats. And you are a horrible metabolizer of starches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and your insulin, yeah. Your insulin response is excellent. So you actually are wired to be like keto carnivore. Right? You're not designed to be plant-based. You're not designed to be eating carbs and starches. Some people are, by the way, there's some people we tell them you actually need to make sure you're eating a lot of carbs. That's what your body runs off of. Yeah. Not necessarily fat starches like sugar, but like good quality carbs, right? You know, you're, you are designed for like carnivore, keto, high fat. You would really thrive like that. You would feel amazing. Ketones start firing. Your brain feels good. You're melting off the fat and you would reach satiety faster. So you're not going to overeat. Mm-hmm. you're you're really designed for it so i would try it for a week and see it's hard because it's very strict mm-hmm. right but the the vice versa of it is if you start eating starches and sugars you're highly likely to lean towards diabetes 
Yeah. And I've played with that for a very long time, like years now. And I've been in a lower carb, higher fat for quite some time, except around that luteal phase in my period. Then I do bring in a little bit more and the quality, okay. like the lentils and things like that too. Because I feel I need it in a way. I feel better with it. Uh, but everything you said is absolutely true of how my experience has been as well after all my two decades of trial and error. Uh, getting Yeah. This episode is brought to you by the Weight Release Shift, a program that I am so excited to share with you. And actually more than a program, this is a partnership in which I join forces with you to take you on this incredible journey, which is Weight Release. Together, we will explore all the necessary mind shifts to get you to places you've never been before, as well as learn what is going on with your hormones, especially as you transition into later phases of being a woman. All of that combined with tasty, healthy, super easy to make foods and recipes to help you balance hormones, eat for your needs, and release excess weight in the process. If you're curious or ready to learn more and join me and all these other wonderful women on this journey, I encourage you to apply at the link below. To learn more, visit naturallyjoyous.ca slash release. And I look forward to chatting with you and getting to know you better. Um, now, if I keep going... Um... The one question I have for you, Kushib, in terms of the, when you talked about the carnivore, what about my protein? Because as I was looking at the results, I was a little unsure of how to really position that. And I do experience, if I eat red meat, I'm born in Brazil. So, you know, red meat and beef specifically was like massive growing up. And I feel nowadays that it's highly constipating to me. That's the one food that I notice immediately besides the gluten. Uh, so I was just kind of curious from what my results say in terms of specifically yeah. red meat and, and so here's the challenge. Um, there's there's two challenges. When you go when you switch to red meat, right? Uh, first of all, your fiber becomes a challenge, right? But there's a just there's an adjustment period of your gut enzyme activity, your gut microbiome activity, adjusting to your new diet style. Uh, once you get into it, there's no problem. Mm -hmm. The other challenge is you have zero gut detox. Mm -hmm. And the way we cook red meat, we often char it. We blacken it, right? So the way we cook it, and, mm -hmm. and that charring is highly toxic. Yeah. So for you, that means a lot more than a normal person because you have zero gut detox. I see. So it's very important for you to cook the red meat in a way where it's not charred. You know, that mm -hmm. barbecuing and the blackening, yeah, you do a big, big no-no. The other challenge is red meat, particularly if it's not cooked fresh, it leads to somewhat of a histamine response. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Right, and so for you again, that would be more pronounced mm -hmm. because of the detox pathways, and then you're going to have inflammation. You're going to have inflammation in your gut. And you're not going to be breaking things down properly, and yeah, but that could lead to constipation type issues, right? So I would say three things. You're obviously supporting your detox. We'll, we'll go backwards now with precursors like NAC, glycine, selenium, 
you're making sure you're doing all those with those things you're not charring or blackening your meat you know you're 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 cooking it fine but not blackening it um and in the beginning you might consider some digestive enzymes yeah right there's a company called bioptimizers they do a really really good job uh or even adding some fiber mm-hmm. and you also likely need to add some electrolytes right and get some real high quality salt uh, as opposed to like you know some sports drink right like really yeah. proper electrolytes uh and that will clean up the problem likely for you cool right so awesome. uh okay now going on here um you mentioned that you take vitamin d mm-hmm. so i'm going to take a peek at your vitamin d cascade vitamin d has the most complex uh cascade of all the micronutrients because again our ancestors got too much right they're not like us they were out in the sun all day now we're indoors all day and you know when you're in the sun even for 20 minutes you get a mitochondrial charge because you're there's a the spectrum the four colors of light that come from the sun actually connect with the four stations of the mitochondria they each take in one of these spectrums and get charged we're designed to be symbiotic with this planet right mm-hmm. yeah and we don't do that we're indoors not getting we're getting a single spectrum from incandescent light which is not charging yeah. our cells properly so uh in your case um you do a not so good job of converting actually sorry let me just make sure here one second uh your yeah your ability to take d2 from the sun and convert it into d3 horrible right uh probably because your ancestors spent a lot of time in the sun so the, and i was the, born in brazil so yeah 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 so you need to slow <laughs> that conversion down as opposed to what we're doing right here we're both on zoom indoors right yes in canada and, for me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure me too by the way so now second step so now you've converted the d2 into d3 that's one gene then the second gene takes the d2 from the blood and transports it to the cell you also don't do that so well so now there's a second problem to deal with right yeah then once you get it to the cell you need to bind it you also don't do that so well so now there's a third problem so the solution isn't always go take some vitamin d it might be you need to take it three times Mm-hmm. because if you don't transport and bind it and if i give you a few thousand iu in the morning you're just going to store it in fat yeah right and so we have to be very precise around the vitamin d cascade it's much more complex than the other micronutrients but if you are precise what it does for your brain what it does for your hormones what it does for your bones all systems you know you have 22000 genes that make up your genome 10% of them require adequate vitamin d mm. so 22000 uh, biological functions out of 22000 need vitamin D. it's the most important micronutrient yeah wow and, and this is why if you had enough um uh, it's very hard to get sick right cuz all systems start firing properly we just don't have enough across the board and enough doesn't necessarily mean just taking more it also mean how how often yeah right so that's a very important consideration mhm so, you know between the stuff there's any area where we can go and dive deeper and like we could spend an hour just talking about sleep we could spend an hour just talking about diet you know th- there's so much to infer infer and inform from here um really when the reports come out it there's some information that's spelled out in the reports that's des- designed for people to receive but then there's also clinical information that we know that isn't spelled out just regulatory wise we aren't allowed to say it right yeah. so we we know can't say it so 
we have coaches and clinicians that can work with people to dive deeper. Uh, I mean, you also, you know, people can do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but on the testing side, for sure, um, there's a ton, ton of information. Like even just to read through these reports, you're probably going to spend a week. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So. No, that's wonderful. And the, a couple of final things I wanted to ask you. So for women in perimenopause or in postmenopause, what are some other sort of like jewels or jams that they can actually, so we talked about hormones, we talked about a lot of the sort of brain behavior size. Like I know your reports talk about sleep as well, detox, inflammation. Is there any like specifics that you think those results can really help women either prevent that, you know, crazy menopausal yeah. transition, or if they're already in postmenopause, that can improve the quality of their lives. So there's a few things. I mean, so many more women today, as they get into menopause, are going on to hormone replacement therapy, which I understand the value of it. It's going to keep you young. It's going to keep your heart and bones young. But if you do it wrong, it's going to make you sick. So I would say do not, do not, do not get onto hormone replacement therapy unless you've looked at your genetics first and you know exactly where to intervene. Because you could be fueling breast cancer. You could be fueling, you could be doing something wonderful for yourself, but you could also be causing a disease if you do it wrong. Mm. And it's no fault of the doctors. They weren't trained on this stuff. They don't even know that, hey, if I go give a man testosterone that he may convert it all into estrogen. They don't even know that if I go give this woman estradiol, that she might convert it all into 4-hydroxyestrogen, the toxic stuff. Yeah. That's what you do, for example, right? So yeah. if I went and gave you estradiol, it's probably going to give you breast cancer. Mm. So that's one big one. If you're considering or working on hormone therapy, do not do it unless you understand your genetic profile first. The second big one is bone health. This is a big consideration for women as they age. If you don't know your vitamin D cascade, you don't know how to intervene. Measuring your vitamin D in your blood does not mean enough. That's just how much is in your blood. It yeah. speaks nothing of how much is in the cell. There's two more steps. And this is where people get things wrong. The doctor's like, oh, you got great vitamin D levels. You're doing good. Nothing's getting to the cell and your bones are slowly falling apart, right? So now here's the other big challenge. If you don't maintain your bone health, as we are living on this planet and breathing in all these nasty toxins that are sur we're surrounded by, the heavy metals that we take in, our body knows are toxic. And so in order to protect us, our body stores those heavy metals in bone. As you get into menopause and you start to lose your bone density, those heavy metals bleed back into the bloodstream right. and cause crazy inflammation. And this is why so many menopausal women are like, I have no energy, I have brain fog, I can't get out of bed. It's heavy metal poisoning. So you need to understand your vitamin D cascade. You need to understand your estrogen levels and what your body's going to start doing. It's, we're all different. Um, and if you don't, it's going to be rocky. Your menopause doesn't have to be rocky. And if you're perimenopausal, you're not there yet, then you have time to ramp up and prepare and do some things to make sure you don't get there. Another big one is the outward beauty. Women are always worried about hair and skin and just not aging. Well, you can't really fix aging until you know what aging is to begin with. Mm -hmm. Aging is damage to your DNA. It's the unraveling of the cell. It's literally physically unraveling. And then outwardly, your skin starts to sag, your hair turns white. It's a physical manifestation of the inward breakdown, right? So if you don't understand how that happens and why that happens, how are you going to stop it? You're going to put creams on your face that are kind of fighting the thing that's being caused from the inside and just get stuck again. 
Yeah. So we can really understand from our genetics, our personal antioxidative risks, our mitochondrial risks, um, our detox risks, our anti-inflammatory risks, all these things add up together to equal aging. And so if you want to anti-age before you go do a whole bunch of expensive treatments, which is what ends up happening, focus on what you actually need, right? What do you need? And if you do that, shouldn't happen. Like deal with it from the inside, deal with it from the inside and the outside part doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So take, for example, myself, I look younger now than I did five years ago. <laughs> and by the way, I've been biologically tested. There's methylation or gene expression markers you can test for. When I started this journey, I was 38 years old and my biological age was 43. I now am 43, by the way, and my biological age is 33. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've been able to reverse it majorly. Mm -hmm. So now imagine, and I'm not finished. I'm going to keep going, right? Yeah. So imagine if that's, instead of just going about things and aging, what if you could slow it down or even reverse it? Yeah. Your DNA will tell you what to focus on, right? So there's a, there's a lot to be learned there. That's wonderful. And my final question for you, Kashif, and I don't think I can let you go without asking you this. What about the obesity gene? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's been a lot of hype recently about obesity genetics. And no surprise that the same time the hype comes out, you have Ozempic, uh, this miracle <laughs> yes. drug coming out, right? Literally, the federal government went on 60 Minutes and said that obesity is 80% genetic and 20% lifestyle and diet. Well, then why did 80% of obesity not exist two generations ago? Yeah. We didn't change. Our genetics didn't change. Yeah. What changes our habits, right? So there is a such thing as genetic obesity. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what we're dealing with. Almost all of what we're dealing with is healthy genetics with bad habits. Right. It, it's seed oils. It's starches. It's, you know, there was an experiment done on high fructose corn syrup mm -hmm. where people were given a diet of high fructose corn syrup for six days. Now, corn syrup is metabolized through your liver. After six days, the liver's ability to create fat increased 600%. Mm. <laughs> That's not a genetic problem. Yeah. Right? Our genetic problem is we're not genetically wired to eat garbage every day. Yeah. We're not genetically wired to not move every day, right? So though not sleep, have bad hormones. We're not genetically wired to breathe in chemicals that mimic estrogens and cause us to be more estrogen dominant, which yeah. is why you're seeing so many men walking around with gynomastia and man boobs, mm -hmm. right? Why is that happening all of a sudden? So yeah, the answer isn't so much here's the genes that equal obesity. It's, it's more like our genes are not program for today's reality and if you don't pay extra attention to your choices it's very easy to become obese easier than ever before mm -hmm. yeah absolutely no that's great thank you so much for commenting on that i want to make sure that i did ask you there's a big question that we get yeah sure yeah and this is wonderful. Thank you so much. I just like, it's so amazing to see a lot of the things you're saying, even as I was looking through my results before, you know, recording this episode, seeing so many things that are so true to my personality, to my choices, to my lifestyle, even to my career choices. So it's quite fascinating to me. 
So thanks so much for your time. I will put a link in the show notes for anyone that wants to get their DNA uh, tested uh, through the DNA company, as well as Kashif's book as well, uh, The DNA Way that I mentioned at the beginning as well. Thank you again, Kashif, for your time. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And I'll just let everyone know, uh, use that link you're sending, because if you go to the website, you're going to pay in retail. Okay. And there's a little bit of a discount there, you know, on the, on, so use the link, just save a little bit of money. You know, why not? Yes, perfect. Right. That's wonderful. That's great. Thank you again. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous and I will be sure to tag you back. I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy, and until next time.